Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and oh baby, it's draft week, that's right. It's the week we've been waiting for for quite a few months here for Bears fans, trying to see what Ryan Pace is going to be able to do with limited draft capital, but yet still a critical draft coming up for the Bears that have some holes on this team definitely have some depth issues at positions. They've got two second-round picks, and those picks are crucial, not just for the Bears to hit on those picks, but to hit on those picks with guys that will be able to contribute this year. I think it's really important, and yet it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to pick guys at 43 and 50. Trading back could be a key move to get a couple more prospects into the Bears' camp this year and see if any other people will be able to make an impact as a rookie. This is a big draft, and since it's such a big draft, we're going to bring back E.J. Snyder. We had him on a few months ago. E.J. is, as far as I'm concerned, he's as good as anybody. Just because he doesn't have, you know, millions of Twitter followers like Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, or, you know, Mayock when he was doing it, he's just as good as any of these guys. Now he's working with Brett Coleman, who's another great draft guy. He's got some side projects with him, but he is Windy City Gridiron's senior draft analyst, and he is going to jump on with us today, talk about the draft a little bit, and talk about what the Bears should be doing with this draft coming up here in just just a little bit. So before we bring on EJ, just wanted to talk about the one bit of news here that, that recently came up here with the Bears, and that's Trey Burton. Now, I was, to be honest, surprised that the Bears decided to move on from Trey Burton for a few different reasons. The, the main reason being is I was weighing the balance of the benefit of saving cap dollars versus what Burton could still potentially bring to the table. And to me, the potential of what Burton did in 2018 still looming as a possibility was better for me than the, the, uh, the cap space that the Bears could get when, when, if they cut him. But Brad Biggs, to his credit, Biggs has been on top of a lot of things this offseason. He said the Bears were not going to be keeping Trey Burton. He said he expected him to be cut for a while, so Biggs definitely had a, had the inside track on that piece of information, so kudos to Brad Biggs on that one. But 
you know, the Bears designated him as a failed physical, and it just comes down to the fact that the Chicago Bears did not see Trey Burton contributing and being able to be relied upon as a regular contributor week in, week out basis. They just didn't think he was going to be recovering from this injury. So this, this free agent signing as Trey Burton basically became a mess. I understand Burton was pretty good in year one. I think people expected more out of him. He had a much better first half than he did a second half. He definitely kind of faded down the stretch and, of course, does not play against the Eagles. I've long, long stopped questioning people's toughness and people's injuries. I understand a lot of people are going to do that. I understand a lot of people probably upset with Trey Burton and feeling that he probably could have given it a go. I'm done questioning athletes. If you say you're hurt... I'm going to believe they're hurt. And, yeah, I'm guessing there are some times, hey, look, watching this Bulls documentary, you see that Pippen tanked his surgery just to screw over the Bulls there in, in, during the run for the sixth championship. So there's definitely moments where athletes are not doing what's in the best interest of their team or not competing as hard as they should be. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I think the vast majority of the time, 80, 90 percent, maybe even more than that percent of the time, if an athlete is hurt, he is definitely hurt. He cannot play. So I do not question whether Trey Burton was actually hurt or not. Now, what you can question is if Trey Burton is going to recover enough to be a, a contributor to this Chicago Bears team. Clearly, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy didn't think so. So out he goes. Now, I did not realize that there was some language in that contract that offsets some of this this cap hit where if Burton signs on with another team for a couple $3 million, that that money comes off the Bears' tab. So they can save some money there, which is clearly why they announced it when they did, to open up the doors to be able to save some more money here coming down the stretch uh, of this offseason. But at the same time, I'd sit there and say, you really need to cut Trey Burton then? Why didn't you cut? If that was the case, why didn't you cut Trey Burton a month ago? I mean, what, what exactly was the timeline there? You know, with, with COVID-19, a lot of this stuff is murky with how everyone's, everything's being done remotely and, and doctors not being able to check out players. So there, there, there's a lot of difficult things going on in terms of how teams are, are communicating and coordinating with players. So that may have something to do with it, but. I was surprised. I know a lot of people weren't surprised, but the bottom line here, I'm looking at this tight end position and knowing how critical it is for Matt Nagy's offense and knowing how putrid it was last year. And I have, I think, more faith in Jimmy Graham being able to contribute at some level than a lot of other people. But at the same time, I do not have a lot of faith in this tight end room right now. I mean, if when, when I'm looking at this tight end room and I'm seeing Jimmy Graham at the U, and Harris at the Y, that's definitely their starting tight end duo there. And then you look at the, the subs. Ben Broniker, I like what Broniker can do on special teams. He has not contributed much offensively here. He's been around the league long enough. You know what you have with Ben Broniker, and you don't have an offensive weapon with Ben Broniker. J.P. Holtz definitely proved some things last year, can definitely be utilized in, in an H-back role in some certain certain, you know, ways to get Holtz involved in the offense, but he is not a major contributor. I don't, I don't see this guy stepping up and suddenly being able to get four or 500 yards receiving and a few touchdowns. That's not what his role is going to be. And, and you go, look, Jesper Horstead, I think Horstead's kind of right now the Bears are looking at him to take another step forward and maybe start contributing a little bit more as, as kind of Jimmy Graham's backup there at the U position. So, you know, I think the Bears need to look at the draft here 
and select a tight end. I understand this tight end class is not top heavy. I'm not even saying the Bears should select a tight end here in round two and, and, you know, use their limited draft capital up top there in days one and two on a tight end unless they really like a guy in the draft breaks where that's where they want to take a step forward with the tight end position. But you have to, at a minimum, bring in a day three tight end. You have to. You cannot. I understand the Bears have about 77 tight ends on the roster right now, but how many of them do you actually expect to contribute? And the answer right now is not many. So while the Bears may have some projects on that roster, I know Dax Raymond was a great UDFA signing last year. I probably didn't do as much as a lot of Bears fans were hoping for. He's still on the roster. Maybe he takes a step forward. But we're talking about his guys taking a step forward to being some level of contributors. We're not expecting Dax Raymond to come from a guy who was on the practice squad to a guy who's going to elevate himself to become a five, six hundred yard guy. That, that, that's not going to happen. So the Bears need to start putting some development in the tight end position. And I think that's what they're trying to do to see if they can have a guy in two or three years. But what they don't have right now is depth that is ready to contribute to this roster. That tight end position is Still a bit of a mess. I think it's better than it was last year. I'm not even talking about Adam Shaheen. I'm assuming he's gone at some point. We won't even worry about him. But the tight end position is so critical to this offense, and I just am not seeing enough talent at the top and enough depth to have a lot of faith in that position. So I think the Bears need to continue to work on that, and hopefully they do moving forward. But our focus is the NFL Draft. And we will continue that focus right after this break with E.J. Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's top draft analyst, and he joins us next. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back into Bears Banter. And here he is, as promised. He is E.J. Snyder. He is the best draft analyst around. I don't care about Daniel Jeremiah. I don't care about Mel Kuyper. This is the guy Bears fans need to listen to as to what's going to be happening here on draft night here on Thursday. Well, more so Friday and Saturday for the Bears. And he joins us now. EJ, how are you? I'm in my happy place. We are in draft week. It's almost Christmas. Things are going to happen. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's a little bit different this year. We'll be talking about that. And I can't wait. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be different. Actually, you know what, why don't we start with different? Because, you know, all of us here, uh, most people across the country, some sort of shelter in quarantine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in fact, uh, we just uh, went with a, a haircut today for me, and there, there's a little bit of a hole over here, so we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. But uh, how, how's everything handling on your end uh, with, with the quarantine and all? It's, uh, it's different. It's new normal for sure. Two kids are home, not in school. Um, I'm able to work from home and lucky to be so, but, uh, certainly the way the world changed has changed my work. Uh, so we're really, really busy. And again, that's a privilege right now. I'm happy to do it. But, um, between that and it being draft season, not a lot of time to sleep these days. Yeah, very, very true. So, you know, while we're talking about technology and, and trying to get these podcasts and everything up and, and watching what some of these television shows and everything are trying to do with, with tech here while, while everyone's at their houses, now we know the NFL draft is going to basically be doing this, the same. I saw Thomas Dimitrov was on a radio show, and he did a video call to show you his war room, what he's got set up. You know, the NFL did a... 
did a mock draft earlier in the week, see how that would go. And I guess the beginning was a complete train wreck here. So, you know, Goodell is <laughs> going to be announcing picks from his basement. This is going to be a, a sight to see here on Thursday and Friday. And, you know, there is going to be tech issues. I just don't see any other way around it. No, it'll happen for sure. I actually have to deal with tech. Uh, we launched a virtual expansion program last fall. Um, not in any kind of advance of COVID, certainly, just because we were trying to extend our workforce. And it was a real, it was a real struggle. Uh, we certainly had some success and it put us in a good spot for what eventually happened. But even now, uh, we're still trying to catch up. Every group is different and the NFL, you know, mock draft is nice. I think you're absolutely right. There is no way that tech doesn't somehow affect this year's draft. Um, I've heard some pretty funny ones. I've heard, you know, which GM do you think is going to share their their priority list first via you know group chat or screen share? Um, to you know, a lot of people get on Dave Gettleman, but I think uh, I think it was Brandon Bean came out this week and said, "Hey, Gettleman's fooling y'all. He he showed you that big picture of a binder, but he's actually pretty savvy." We'll see at the end of this who's savvy and who's not. Um, somebody's going to step on their tongue, and uh, that'll just make it all the more entertaining. Well, Gettleman might be tech savvy, but he's still the guy who stuck with Eli too long, took a running back too overall, uh, threw a ton of draft capital at Leonard Williams, uh, signed a bunch of retreads, signed Beckham to a huge contract only to trade him and eat like 20 million in dead cap. So he, he's got a track record of screwing things up. I, you're not going to get any defense of Gettleman's GMing out of me. Um, I don't go, don't go after too many people in this business because I don't think it's such a good policy, but. Gettleman is my exception. Uh, I will go after Gettleman just about any chance I get because, uh, yeah, all the things you mentioned plus some modifiers that make that even worse, like, oh, Leonard Williams was a rental. Let's not forget that. Right. All right. Well, let's move on here with the, with the draft here. Let, let, let's, before we get to kind of the second round of where the Bears are, I want to start with quarterbacks here. Um, as as someone who who knows how important health is when you're investing, you know, top five, ten talent here, would you have any concerns drafting? I, I know you're not a doctor, but just kind of knowing where everything is, would you have any concerns investing a top five pick in Tua? Sure, absolutely. Um, from a talent standpoint, no. From a ability to deliver the football standpoint, no. But you know, he's had a couple of high ankle sprains. He had. You know, his hip pop out, which is not a small deal. Now he's a young guy. The surgery went pretty well. Apparently, even though I'm not a doctor, there wasn't any blood loss or necrosis, which is what ended Bo Jackson's career. So that's a good thing for his healing. But, you know, and again, it's probably not going to affect him during his playing career. But what bodies are subjected to in the NFL is extraordinary. So would I have any concern? Sure, I would have a concern and I would make sure that, you know, everybody that I knew that was a doctor had signed off on it six ways from Sunday because there's nothing worse than investing a high pick in a quarterback, having him go out there for four or five games and then, you know, be drilled, be on the bench for the rest of the year and then come back come back at half strength for the next year. Um we've seen it, you know, I think of, you know, Robert Griffin, right? Robert Griffin has an amazing rookie campaign, um, gets hurt, gets marched out when he gets hurt, gets hurt again, uh, and was never the same, right? And so you've got to have some level of concern. And with injuries, 
there's a lot of luck involved, but there's got to be some level of concern when you're investing up high, top 15 in the draft. As a franchise, you don't get that pick very often, and especially not a quarterback, and you need to think about those things. So can I answer whether or not it's worth it? No. Would I be concerned? I would be somewhat concerned, sure. All right, now of the top three quarterbacks here, and, and obviously Herbert and Burrow, the other the other guys here, which of the three do you think is the safest pick, and which of the three do you think has the highest ceiling, and it could be the same quarterback? Mm, I uh, I don't know if it is. The safest for me is absolutely Burrow. Uh, I was on a podcast last week, uh, or actually, no, it was a draft live stream we did for Windy City Gridiron. Uh, Jeff Burkus and I, and Steven was nice enough to host it for us on Twitch, which was a new experience, speaking of technology. But uh, I think it was Steven asked me, would you Ricky Williams a draft for Joel Burrow? And I said, yep, I would. Uh, I... I'm convinced Joe Burrow is the guy. The Bears have a serious needed quarterback, so I would. I would do it. Uh, they don't have enough capital to do it, but I would do it from a player standpoint. So I think he's the safest. Um, the highest ceiling, oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm still going to go with Burrow. Uh, Herbert, if he makes some incredible strides, could sort of tickle that ceiling, but I don't think he will. And the reason is he's got a lot of starts under his belt, right? He's not inexperienced. He's played a lot of football. We pretty much know who Justin Herbert is. And there's still some, I would call it maddening inconsistency in his game. And so that makes that kind of jump less likely, not not impossible for certain. Uh, but I'll, I guess I will go with Burrow for both. Two has got a chance, but I just don't think – he can achieve the heights that Burroughs already sort of hit. Now, I could be terribly wrong. He could go to the perfect system, start dealing dimes. You know, I saw a mock draft earlier today with um, Bill Belichick trading up New England, right, to go get Tua. And I'm like, oh, wait, if that happens, <laughs> can, I, can I have my pick back? That, that's different. Right. All right. Well, the reason I started the quarterbacks is because I want to get your assessment on Jordan Love, who is – a guy that no one can get a consensus on. I mean, you've, you've seen mocks where people are saying he's a top 10 pick. You've seen him not even in the first round. Where are you on Jordan Love with the solid year two years ago and a really inconsistent bit of a mess last year? Yeah, Love is you, – you mentioned the inconsistency with Love, and he's a fascinating study because, yeah, his 2018 – was tremendous, and he stuck out to me. I put him in my notes when I was scouting, actually, the tight end that ended up on the Bears and the running back that ended up on the Chiefs, the skill position players for his team. And I thought, wow, this guy's hes hitting some throws. This guy's got a lot of talent. He's got mobility. He's got size, and, and there's some wow throws. And the reason you see him up in that top ten conversation is because Jordan Love makes throws or has made throws, I should say, that a lot of NFL quarterbacks can't make. You see Jordan Love uh, rolling out to his left, which is offside. He throws right-handed. And you see him drop the ball to his receiver inside bracket coverage 25 yards down to the sideline. Now, that means over the corner and under the safety. And he does that from off-platform. He does that running sideways. And he delivers it with velocity and accuracy. And you think, wow, I can think of about – 10 or 12 NFL quarterbacks that can't make that throw with regularity. So that's what gets people in the NFL excited about Jordan Love. But then you see the inconsistency, and a lot of people say, hey, all those playmakers left, the coaching staff turned over. 
he didn't play that well. It's true. He didn't. So you really have to, you really have to dig down and figure out what you believe about Jordan Love. Is it 2018 surrounded by playmakers and the coaching staff you like making dime throws like that? Or is it mm, not a perfect situation, which also, also often happens in the NFL that he had in 2019 and thinking that's what you're going to have to work through to get him up to that high level potential. Um, I think whoever takes Jordan Love uh, has a very solid vote that they believe in their quarterback coach and their offensive coordinator and maybe even these days their head coach because head coaches have a lot to do with quarterback development these days. I think his best landing spot is probably someplace like Indianapolis where he's got a guy, in it, Frank Reich, who's his head coach, who was a quarterback, played at a high level in the NFL, understands and can sort of bring him along. Of course, a place like Kansas City would be great, but I don't think they – you know, invest that highly in Mahomes' backup. But a spot like that is going to be best for him. You have to have a plan, and hopefully you don't have a ton of pressure on him right off the get-go because that may not be ideal. He's got a lot of things to polish up. But if he hits those heights, man, his his highlights are white hot. So knowing that the next quarterback that Ryan Pace selects not and I'm not not saying if he takes a six round QB. What next time he invests in a quarterback beyond Nick Foles, that's going to be his. If he hits it, he's going to be in Chicago a long time. And if he misses, see you later. If Jordan Love falls into round two, should Ryan Pace consider selecting him? <laughs> I think the consideration between Pace and Nagy might be very different. And for all the reasons you just mentioned, there is going to be some aversion to risk. Ryan Pace did not hit on Trubisky. I thought Trubisky was a great selection, and so did everybody else right up until double doink, right? It <laughs> looked very much like he was progressing in a way that a young quarterback who was going to lead a franchise would. And then 2019 happened. There was massive regression. The Bears absolutely stuttered because of it. And now Ryan Pace is rightfully terribly gun-shy, and a prospect like Jordan Love is going to carry a huge risk marker in his mind. There's no way that it can't for all the reasons you outlined in that intro. Uh, Matt Nagy might look at that skill set and say, hey, man, I can do something with that. But every quarterback coach, every offensive coordinator, every head coach that's offensively inclined is a quarterback whisperer, right? I can fix them. I can get that out of them. I can make that consistent. Now, whether or not Nagy actually wants to do that this year. Uh, I think his view of Jordan Love might be a little bit different than Ryan Pace's. Ryan Pace's probably looks at Jordan Love right now like hot lava, right? If I hit it, I'm amazing. But if I don't, I'm out of a job and I have to move my family. So I would say they'd probably stay away from that. The roster isn't really built to have a project quarterback right now. They figured that out last year. I would bet in the second round they don't touch Jordan Love. All right. Now, if and uh, yeah, I'll preface this by saying I don't think the Bears should take a second round quarterback. I think, you know, quarterback investment maybe should come in 2021. But if love's gone, if those top four quarterbacks are gone, are there any of that next tier quarterback that you would sit there and say if they're sitting there at 43 that the Bears should consider? Yeah, it's funny you bring it up. I had a mock draft a couple of weeks ago where I'd actually traded back from 43. So I think my uh, first pick was 50, and then my second pick I think was 53. I traded down about 10 spots. And Jalen Hurts was sitting there at 53, and I thought, you know, I've got a third-round pick now. 
Um, ended up trading down again and getting a fourth-round pick. I've got some extra picks, so it's not the scenario we see right now. I took Hertz at 53. I think Hertz is a little bit underrated. He's played at two huge Power 5 programs, taken one in the national championship, played very, very well. Um, my partner of bootleg football, Brett Coleman, pointed out that the thing about Hertz is he has progressed every year. He has become better. When he was a freshman, not a good passer. He got better, right? By the time he got to Oklahoma, a much better passer. And the stats actually bear that out. People still hold a lot of those preconceived notions about Jalen Hurts as a crappy thrower. He, you know, he's not a great deep ball thrower, but he's a better deep ball thrower than people give him credit for. And the underneath stuff is tremendous. Plus, he's got top level athleticism, great leadership skills. We've seen that at both places. You don't play for. Saban and Lincoln Riley and, and lead those teams as far as he did without having that. So, you know, why not? At quarterback, until you have stability in the NFL, you don't have anything, right? So take your shots. And if he's there at 53 and he's got that, that track record, I think he's being a little bit underrated. I might take that shot if, caveat, I picked up some extra picks. If I didn't, it I'd be hard-pressed to spend those picks on a quarterback right now. All right, and finishing up on the quarterbacks here, then we'll move on to some other things here. If the Bears don't pick up, you know, a, a fourth round pick along the way, and, and I know it's tough to project day three, but fifth, sixth round quarterbacks that intrigue you. I know I had you on a while back and I threw Anthony Gordon at you. You threw some cold water on it. Where, where are you on any day three quarterbacks that understand all of them are a bit of a project, but any of them, you said they're going, that, that, there might be something there in a few years. Yeah, you roll the dice on day three with quarterbacks, and if you hit, again, it's great. It's a lottery ticket that came in. If you don't, nobody expected anything anyways. So um, I love day three quarterbacks, and there are a couple for sure. James Morgan from Florida International now. It looks like he's probably going to creep up to the fourth-ish round maybe. You know, a couple of weeks ago he was probably down in the sixth-round territory. Started at Bowling Green, ended up at Florida International. I really like the way he spins the ball. He stands in there, uh, strong, good arm, makes pretty good decisions. There's enough on his tape that I would go with a late-round pick for him. Um, another guy that's not getting a lot of love is Tyler Huntley from Utah. So we talk a lot about Jordan State, but the Utes quarterback, Tyler Huntley, is an athlete, moves around very well, and he's a better thrower than people give him credit for. His form, his mechanics aren't tremendous, but his results are pretty darn good. So, again, down in the sixth, seventh round. If you're throwing a pick at somebody, there's enough there. And then um, our editor at Windy City Gridiron, Lester Wilfong Jr., picked up Bryce Perkins in a draft the other day, and I think it was the seventh. And he's the Virginia quarterback. Again, a really strong athlete who's progressed a little bit as a thrower. He doesn't have a great passing game, but he's not helpless in that area either. Tremendous athlete, big guy, good runner. Um, those are the kind of guys I think you can throw sixth or seventh round picks at, um, probably in Morgan's case, maybe a fifth round pick, and have some hope that they turn into something valuable. Even if that's a backup quarterback, you know, that's still a valuable chip in the NFL. And the Bears could use one of those too, quite frankly. So um, those are guys I'd look at. Uh, Morgan, Perkins, Huntley. Yeah. All right, let's let's move off quarterback. Let's move over to tight end, actually, since the Bears made some news uh, with the Trey Burton release, which, well, Brad Biggs had been on that for a while saying that was going to happen. That really surprised me because I didn't think it was going to save much cap space. I, I thought the upside of having him on the roster, despite the injury concerns and everything, was higher than letting him go. 
However, there was some offset language in there that they could recoup some of that money back depending on who signs them and for how much. How much did that surprise you, especially based on where the tight end room is right now? Or maybe not at all. Yeah, I, I, there was a little surprise, but it was pretty minimal. Uh, Trey Burton has got to go down as one of the roughest free agent signings for the Bears in a long time. Paid him a ton of money, and rightfully so. It was before the Bears were a truly attractive free agent destination, before they'd won things and sort of rebuilt the culture. And, you know, he had a pretty good year. He got injured, and then there was just a lot of up and down. And if you look at the sort of sum total of dollars for production for Trey Burton at the end, it's not good. It's it's way too much for way too little. So I wasn't terribly surprised that they let him go. And I think they've got young guys on the roster who they want to take a look at in that role. So in that way as well, not terribly surprising. All right. Well, looking at the tight end room here, obviously Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, whether you like it or not, we've discussed that in the past. He's going to be there at the U. Looks like Harris is going to be at the Y. Then, you know, we've got Holtz, Broniker, you know, maybe Horstead. I think the Bears could definitely use a tight end there. I don't love a tight end in the second round, the way things have kind of broken down here. You know, a day three tight end makes a lot of sense to me. And, and like I said, I'm a BPA guy, so I don't want to sit there and say, let's target a tight end at 43 no matter what. That's how you that's how you bloat by talent and take lesser players. Where are you in this tight end class now? Is it worth, you know, a second rounder? Do you, anyone stand out to you, or is this more of a day three class? I wouldn't push it with the Bears' needs, and again, their overall number of players in the room. They got nine players in the room right now. Are any of them world beaters? I don't think any of them are. Could some of them develop? Hey, JP Holtz looked pretty good for a half, right? He could come in and give you something. Horstead definitely showed some flashes as a receiver. I'd like to see what he has as a number three or number four tight end for sure. But is there anybody there that is keeping you from drafting somebody? I really don't think there is that being said it's not a great tight end class there's a lot here and there's a lot of guys that could contribute but there is no one a sitting on the board and so using what is a very valuable chip for the franchise with a you know round two on a tight end it just doesn't pencil for me now guys farther down the board i am interested in but they're going to be more like that horstead or holtz who you're bringing them in they can contribute they could develop but if a guy like Adam Troutman slides, he was originally like, I saw him in the first round, then I saw him in the second round, now I'm seeing him in the third round, or maybe even the fourth round, right? People have cooled on on Troutman. I think he's a good football player and could help the Bears for sure. If you get a guy like Troutman that falls to the fourth round, you pick up a pick and he's there, yeah, sure, go ahead, spend the pick. Um, Harrison Bryant from FAU, same way. I like him as a sort of all-around guy. He's slightly underrated in this class. Um, but I think he could develop into a nice sort of number two tight end eventually. And then you're really just going on lottery tickets farther down. Colby Parkinson has slowly risen up the ranks. Uh, that's the t- tight end from Stanford. Big guy, six 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 seven, about 235. Pretty good blocker, but runs like a wide receiver when he gets in the slot. There's a guy you could find a role for in the red zone. And then one of my favorites is, um, where is he? There he is, uh, Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati. Almost a Trey Burton type, a little bit smaller, a little bit faster, very feisty, hustles a ton, competes on every snap. Now, that's a guy fourth, fifth round, if you get him, could really add something to your room and can start on special teams right away. He's shown that kind of hustle. So, again, lower down, I think there's lots of places where you could take a shot. 
uh, and get some value. But up high, I just don't see it. I'm not in love with any of the tight ends up high. Um, I think the best tight end for the Bears is currently a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, but we could talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're going to have enough draft capital for O.J. Howard, but I, I would like That's to see him. That's the thing. The we should talk about that for just a minute because everybody keeps saying, oh, second rounder, second rounder, second rounder. Look, O.J. Howard has one year left on his rookie deal if you don't pick up the fifth-year option. He hasn't produced anything in Tampa Bay. He's produced jack in Tampa Bay. Anybody thinks you have to pay a second rounder for him is nuts. There's no way I'd pay a second rounder for him. Is he a yeah, second but they don't round have a- value? Yeah, if he's a second round value, he yeah, absolutely as a player he is, but that's not how things work in the NFL, right? It's what you've done for me lately and what do I still have control over this guy for? You're getting him for basically a year, maybe a year and a half rental and he doesn't have any production. That guy pulls like a fourth. If you look at the way trades have gone for picks, that guy pulls like a fourth. And would you trade a fourth for OJ Howard who would blow any tight end on this list off the board? Right? People keep saying, oh, the Bears have nine or ten tight ends. And I'm like, yeah, and how many would O.J. Howard not wipe the floor with right now? You know, it's not the numbers, it's the quality. So if you could get O.J. Howard for about a fourth, and I think that's probably about his value. Now, Tampa might not let him go for that, but that's about what he's worth in the league if you look around at recent trades. O.J. Howard for a fourth, yes, please, and twice on Sunday. Well, and if they do manage to trade back and get some more draft capital – that, then I agree with you, but they're sitting there with the two twos, which I would not want to trade for OJ Howard. No. And they, you know, they, you know, then they got one in the fifth, which means if they trade that for OJ Howard, even if that happens, then you're already sitting there with no draft picks of the sixth round. That, that's where I think the issues, issues lie is they just, they just don't have a lot of maneuverability and they also yep. aren't in a position to be trading away draft picks. So again, I'm with you. I, I like, I like the idea. Maybe something like that could happen. The Bucks clearly have been shopping him. He's been rumored to be shopping for three years at this point it seems but uh yeah it, it'll be interesting to see how they how they uh address that moving forward at the tight end room because i'm not i'm not comfortable and i have a feeling matt Nagy wouldn't be comfortable with where that room is right now i understand young players maybe orstead or someone like that can become a better target tight ends take a long time to develop but whew, there's a lot of questions there um now you you were talking about some of these mocks with trading back and and, and everything how pleased would you be if the Bears took one of those second-round picks and traded back once, maybe twice, picked up a third, fourth rounder along the way? How important do you think that would be for the I would be bouncing up and down. That is my preferred A number one option over just about any player they can get. Now, there are exceptions. If there's an exceptional slide from the first round and somebody rated in the 15 to 20s ends up at 43, do you look a gift horse in the mouth if you're comfortable with that guy? Probably not. But right now, if everything sort of goes to plan, and we know, of course, it won't because it's the NFL draft, trade back is my ideal option, preferably with 43. If you have four or five guys that you're comfortable with at 43 who are still on the board, trade back, even if it's for a little bit reduced value. Drop back 10, 11, 12 spots. Pick up another second and a third, that's what that's worth. 470 points is pick number 43. To give you any kind of context, pick 50, only seven picks later, drops 70 points. It's only worth 400 points. So look to trade 43. It's a very valuable chip. And that would leave you potentially with 50, 53, 
and then a third that you don't currently have. And if you have four or five guys and you think one of those guys will last until 50 and you're comfortable with that, trade 43 because the team needs it. If they don't right now, they go from 50 to 164, and that's like 45% of the players in the draft without a pick. That is a that is a wasteland. If you're doing mock drafts, you just sit there and watch the board disappear. That's rough. So trade back would make me jump up and down with joy. Yeah, I, I think that's the best move too. I wouldn't mind if they sit, you know, steady at one of them. Like you said, 43 is a lot more valuable than 50. But they really, especially with a lot of the success Pace has had in the fourth round, he's got a good eye for talent at that level. It's really something that I think they should look at, you know, and they, the, the double trade back with white hair, they were able to recoup a lot of picks there. That's really something they should look at. But let's look at the second round here. Let's, let's assume they don't trade back because speculating third and fourth round picks when you don't have one right now is, <laughs> it's a little questionable. Who are, let me throw two position groups at you is def, I'll lump defensive back together, safeties and corners and wide receivers. I think there's a lot of value in those position groupings where the Bears could be looking. So where where are you with those two position groups on guys that could be available 43-50? Yeah, cornerback I'm super high on. I really think the Bears need a starting outside corner. A lot of people are absolutely ready to hand Kevin Tolliver the reins there and think that he'll hold down the fort. Um, I think Tolliver is a good player. I don't think he's a great player, and I would – at this point, be a little bit nervous about watching him against, you know, starting number two wide receivers in the NFL week after week. Now, he could prove me wrong, and that's what young players do. They ascend. Um, as a Bears fan, I hope that happens, but I don't think I would bet on it in the draft and just overlook what is a very talented corner class. So around 43 or 50 cornerbacks I'd be looking at that I really like. Bryce Hall out of Virginia, big guy, five years of experience, plays very comfortably in man, very comfortably in zone. He's physical, um, had some injury questions. If those injury questions got erased for him at the combine with the Bears and the Bears are comfortable with where he's at, I think Bryce Hall is absolutely a target. Jalen Johnson, if he slides, but I doubt that now, the big corner from Utah, he would be ideal in the Bears scheme. I think Pagano would have a lot of fun with him. I don't think he's going to make it that far now. A month ago, I would have said absolutely he's there. Now, I doubt it. Um, AJ Terrell from Clemson. Everybody gets on him about the bad national game, but honestly, he got burned by Burrow three times, and who didn't? The rest of his season was really, really good, and he's got a lot of great skills. He's also a physical guy and will tackle. Good size, good length, very decent speed. I think a really good prospect that's getting pushed down because of one bad game. And if you look at the rest of his tenure in the SEC, he played really, really well. Um, and then the other guy that I like up high there is Damon Arnett from Ohio State, who is the other corner from Ohio State behind Okuda, who I think is really good. I like him a lot. Love his competitiveness. Love his technique to the outside, playing the boundary, which is where he would play with the Bears. Um, those are three guys that I would love up high uh, at corner. At safety, mm, it would be really interesting to see who slides because there's that's the other thing about this year with no pro days and no pro day circuits and, and sure. no team visits. There's a little bit of that reduction in groupthink of everybody sort of nudging each other and going, what do you think of this guy? And they're all like, oh, that guy's a first-rounder on our board. And everybody kind of comes to the same consensus. Now that, that consensus is really all over the board. People could have a couple of rounds variation uh, in their valuation. So it would be really interesting, especially the safety. But if Antoine Winfield Jr. is there, I take him. 
He's a tremendous player. His dad was a tremendous player. He's a great player in his own right. Safety for Minnesota um, can play up, can play back. Would be a great compliment to Eddie Jackson and really sort of, I think, solidify the Bears defensive backfield for years to come. Ashton Davis is really interesting from California. Track star, uh, great football player as well, smart. I think he could play corner. Uh, California had him at safety. Those are guys up high that I would look at. Everybody wants to say Jeremy Chin, too, Southern Illinois guy. Um, he's actually the nephew of Steve Atwater. Uh, there's a name for you. And a big guy, covers a lot of ground. I think he's got mentally a little bit to, a ways to go in his game. I don't know that I'd be chomping at the bit to take him up that high, but that's where he's going to go because of his potential, and the NFL loves potential. Um, but, yeah, there's Delpit? a bunch of defensive backs. Delpit, Grant Delpit, right? Uh, great player in coverage, and we know that coverage rules the NFL defensive backfield because it's a passing league. He can be an elite cover guy at all levels and stay with just about anybody. Fast, physical, big guy. Um, has trouble tackling. And defensive backs that have trouble tackling go down my list. I like Grant Delpit. He is an excellent pass coverage guy. His issues with tackling can't be ignored. It happened over and over again. And some people say it's not that big a deal. The other guy, the other 10 guys can tackle right until it's just him. And then it's a touchdown, especially at safety. Um, I like Delpit as a player, don't get me wrong, but would I be really comfortable taking him? You know, I think he probably goes in the first round anyways, but um, I'll be, he's one of those guys that I'll be relieved if that happens, right? It's like, oh, the Bears don't even have to make that choice. And and what about wide receiver? Who's a couple guys, uh, you know, outside of those, you know, look, there's 10, 12 guys here and, and a couple of them should be available there, 43, 50 with how deep this wide receiver class is. Who in that kind of that range do you like? Yeah, I fully agree. And it, again, that range is is very different. But um, Michael Pittman Jr. is one of my favorites. We just dropped a podcast today at Bootleg Football about ten offensive gems, and Michael Pittman was one of the five guys I picked for my five. Uh, I think he's really underrated. He's really big, six four, two twenty three. Great routes, dominated the Senior Bowl on the first day we were there. And uh, if you want to see a Superman film, watch Michael Pittman Jr. against Utah. He massacred them. He had a day. And it it wasn't his only outing. I think Pittman Jr. is going to be a really good wide receiver in the NFL for a long time. I keep seeing him mock to Green Bay. And that bothers me because I don't mind who Green Bay picks as long as I don't like him. I like Michael Pittman. So if he ends up in Green Bay, that's a problem. Um, Chase Claypool could be there. There's a lot of varying opinion. Um, local kid for Chicago, sure, went to Notre Dame. Again, big, fast, could play the big slot. Um, good hands, great routes, um, a guy that I would consider for sure. And then you got to look at the pure speed element. I don't think Jalen Rager is going to make it. K.J. Hamler will be there. And Hamler has, uh, not going to call it unique, but almost unique speed. And I know that's an oxymoron. It either is or isn't unique. But K.J. Hamler can be a can opener, um, not just a speed threat either. Pretty good wide receiver. Does have some issue with drops. But, boy, you get that guy one-on-one, he can open up a game in one play. So I would look at him. Uh, if the other two guys were there, I might look at them first. But those are probably the guys sitting in the – 43 to 50 range. I don't think Mims slides. I don't think Jefferson slides. Ruggs, Judy, Lamb are all long gone. Rager, I think, is probably gone. So you're probably looking at a group of Pittman, 
Ayuk, Claypool, maybe Hamler right in that round. Of those guys, I would probably rank them Pittman, Claypool, Ayuk, and then Hamler. All right. Well, there he is, EJ Snyder, at the Draftsman FB on Twitter. You should definitely give him a follow. Great insight, especially this week. He's going to be dropping uh, dropping knowledge all over the place. EJ, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. Thanks for so much time. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, anytime. Thanks so much, Bill. Enjoy the draft. It's going to be a wild ride. All right. There he is, EJ Snyder. Now, that that's a draft spot. And you notice I don't say much on these. I don't give opinions. I don't argue. For EJ, when I'm going to talk prospects with him, just tee it up and let EJ bring you the information. doesn't matter whether that's talking about Burrow, Tua, and Herbert at the top of the draft or whether it's talking about what the Bears should do, not just in the second-round picks, but he gave you some good guys there to look at on day three. James Morgan, as he mentioned, the, the, the quarterback, I really think the Bears have an eye on him. I don't know if he's going to fall. If Again, if they trade back and get some more capital, they're going to be able to maneuver in a lot of different ways. But it's going to be interesting to see if that is a day three pick that Ryan pays zeros in on and, and brings in. Because I, I think the Bears are going to bring in a rookie quarterback this year. I just don't see it in the second round. Because with these moves that we saw with Robert Quinn, with Nick Foles, with Jimmy Graham, these guys 30-plus-year-old players, that shows you that the Bears are trying to win right now. Whether you think that's fool's gold or not, doesn't matter. The Bears' mentality, the coaching staff in the front office, their mentality right now is to win this season. So when you're going to try and win this season, taking a quarterback in round two that you do not expect to play a down this year, you expect Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky to be your quarterbacks this year, and this quarterback you'd select in round two to be the third quarterback on the roster, that's not how you win right now. That's something you do in, on day three. You do not pick a quarterback when you need contributors from day one with those second-round picks. So I do not expect the Bears to take a quarterback in round two. I know we talked about it a little bit because Jordan Love is interesting. You don't know if Jordan Love's going to go like 14 to the Bucks or fall all the way to round two. Knowing the Bears needing a quarterback, if he's sitting there at 43 or if he's still sitting there at 37, 38, where you don't have to give up much capital to move up a few spots, does Ryan Pace consider it? I think that's an interesting question, but the Jake Fromms and Jacob Eason's of the world, that is not, Jalen Hurts, I know, I know EJ mentioned Hurts as maybe a possibility, but again, if you only have, he mentioned it, if they trade back and get more capital, then he's in on Jalen Hurts. If the Bears only have two second round picks, even he's not high on Jalen Hurts in that situation. So, the second round there with the Chicago Bears gonna be interesting. I think they need to focus on potentially offensive line, tight end, wide receiver or defensive back. I understand that is a lot of different positions, but that also kind of shows you where the Bears are needing day one contributors, whether that be depth spots like wide receiver, third, fourth wide receiver. They definitely need someone. I don't believe that Ridley and Wims will both step up and be contributors. Probably one of them, maybe Ridley, but there's not enough depth at the wide receiver position for me to be comfortable there. Offensive line, we know they need to start rebuilding the offensive line there, especially with guys like Bobby Massey and Leno. Their contract's running down here in the next year or two, and the hole at right guard. So that's a position. We don't have a strong safety on the Bears roster right now that I trust 
Dion Bush, or you want to say there's no more strong safety, you know what I mean. Pairing with Eddie Jackson, I don't think Dion Dion Bush as a third safety, I'm all for. Dion Bush as a second safety, I don't think is a is a good bet. And then again, CB two, another position they could address if a cornerback they really value is sitting there. So the Bears have plenty of positions they could go in the draft in round two. So I don't think quarterback is the right move. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do on Friday night. And I'll be honest, I really hope they don't do anything on Thursday night because that means Ryan Pace traded up again, and he just does not have the capital to keep doing this. We've seen it the last two years. I understand, and I am not saying Ryan Pace screwed up getting Khalil Mack or Ryan Pace screwed up getting Anthony Miller or screwed up getting David Montgomery. These guys still all the potential. Obviously, Mack is great, and these other guys still definitely have shown enough to show that there is definitely some potential there, but... He cannot keep doing this because he is just emptying the cupboard. There is not enough draft capital there. After this season, he has draft capital again. So what he definitely cannot do is start trading up and giving away 2021 draft picks when he's finally gotten through all his trade-up and all the capital he lost over the last few years. That's too important. He should not trade up into round one unless something crazy happens. Literally. The only reason he should trade up is for one of those three quarterbacks if one of them slides. If somehow Herbert or Tua are sitting there at 20 and Pace likes one of them and wants to move up and get them, that I could support. But that is the only thing I could support trading up into the first round. It is too important that not only do the Bears use their limited draft capital to get as many players as possible, but potentially trade back to get more. That is where this roster is right now. They are not in a position to go, you know, gallop, galloping up to the 10th pick, giving up first-round draft picks in 2021 to go draft someone. That is not a good idea. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bears do. Uh, over the, you know, the end of this week and this weekend, and we will return next week and break it all down as the roster will really come into focus here after the draft. That's going to do it for Bears Banter. Bear down, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Adios. Adios.